last week on offense and how to overcome being offended. And uh, this week we're going to look at Proverbs 19 as we near the gate finishing 31 chapters in Proverbs. So uh, We always try to honor our high school students, uh, the graduates, and this year we have one from Winfield High School. Elijah, if you would come and uh, would you guys congratulate uh, Elijah uh, for his success in graduating high school. And uh, we always try to give a gift. Uh, this book is from Dr. Howes. We've been giving that out the last several weeks and a Bible there for you to take to college with you. I know you probably have some, but that's a new one that you can use and a little card for us. Would you guys uh, just bless uh, Elijah one more time with a round of applause and uh, this giant. <laughs> we love you, man. We're praying for you. He's going to Wheeling University um, playing basketball up there. He signed a letter to play basketball, so we get to watch him some more as he continues his college career. Thank you, Elijah, for coming and being with us this morning. Would you get your Bibles out, your smart devices, whatever you're going to use this morning as we continue our series on spiritual warfare? Um, we've been looking at the myths of spiritual warfare and revealing some truths about spiritual warfare uh, kind of just looking at it from a different perspective uh, and trying to glean from that. And uh, over the past several weeks, we've um, been discussing this from a new covenant perspective. Um, our lens has been victory. Everybody say victory. If you have a defeated mindset, then you will always be waging war to accomplish some type of victory in your life, the victory has already been won. That's a good place to say amen. Jesus went to the cross and he won the victory over sin, sickness, death, disease, uh, you name it, the victory has been won. And as believers, we have got to come into a place where we believe that. Uh, a lot of people believe that Jesus died and bled and we receive salvation as a free gift uh, because of that, and there's not, I mean, that's a staple in doctrine in many denominations, and that's great, but it's a whole lot more. When he said it's finished, the victory was won for a whole lot of areas in our life, and I believe that we need to uh, really believe that. And our declaration now from this mindset of victory is no more war as we've known it. Um, and we're realizing that we're not in the infantry of God's army in hand-to-hand -hand combat. We are really in the bedchamber in face-to-face -face encounters of intimacy. And when we can move from infantry, the key word or the root word of infantry is infant. And if we can move from that infantry, and what I said last week is if we stop with the armor of God. I'm not telling you not to put it on. I'm telling you you already have it on because you are one with Christ. And it was prophesied in Isaiah 59 that he would wear a helmet of salvation and he would put on a breastplate of righteousness, speaking of the Messiah. And so when we are born again, we take on his wardrobe. So in Christ, we are already clothed with a helmet of salvation and we've made an overemphasis on those pieces of armor when it's really about righteousness, faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, uh, and that shield of faith quenching every fiery dart. And what we, 
learned last week is that fiery darts, that phrase in the Greek means trickery. So the enemy will deceive you and try to trick you. Has that not been the pattern from the beginning? The trickery uh, that he has tried to deceive us with. Uh, There's all kinds of passages throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that have caused misunderstanding and it's it's really caused us to have an incomplete uh, idea and thinking about spiritual warfare. So when you have misunderstanding and incomplete thinking and doctrine, then the result is going to be frustration, exhaustion. And where do you get exhausted? You get exhausted in continually thinking that you have to battle in the demonic realm uh, and then raise your best spiritual effort because how many have ever heard new levels, new devils? Okay. Uh, if you get the opportunity, go back on YouTube and go to TBN and look at the interview with Matt and Laura Crouch. And uh, it's about spiritual warfare. There'll be several interviews in there. Amazing how on target gave me confirmation that the things that they were saying was what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me. And it was very encouraging. So today I just want to submit some information to you. You have to form your own thinking. I can't think for you. And I'm not going to tell you what to think. I just want to give you information because I believe all of you are smart enough and you are Bible uh, studiers and you want to get into the Scripture. Uh, That's what concerns me as a pastor with people all over the place is they take a message no matter where it's preached and they swallow it hook, line, and sinker and they never pick up the scripture to say, is that really what it says? Let me dig a little bit deeper here. And it may be, you may find that that's true, but the Holy Spirit then may take you deeper and give you more uh, revelation into that particular subject. And Lisa will listen to hours and hours of podcasts and YouTube videos and get one nugget that takes her clear over in another direction of studying and that's why I want to give you information. You've got to remember our goal in this series has not been to tear down the biblical foundation of spiritual warfare but yet to build up on it. Um, And so we have defined, if you haven't gotten this yet, write it down, spiritual warfare as exercising our authority from a place of victory. Um, So Again, many have developed doctrines about the subject that we're going to talk about this morning, angels, and there are some bizarre teachings and doctrine out there about angels. Uh, Some have led to deception. So let's look at this next thing on the screen. Jesus is our focus, not demons. Again, I'm not denying the reality of the spirit realm at all. But what you focus on is what will manifest. Uh, I have had encounters with the the demonic. I've had encounters with demons. By God's grace in spiritual warfare, what do we do? We exercise our authority from a place of victory. They are defeated. They have no authority. So you exercise that. You don't have to battle against them. You don't have to war against them. It's your belief system. So let's go look at Daniel. <laughs> Daniel is an Old Testament prophet, a man of prayer with great wisdom. God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. Um, 
and visions. And from those encounters, he began to develop a theology about spiritual warfare uh, that many have carried into the New Testament. And we are post-cross believers. Can you say amen? Thank God for the cross. We don't go back to tactics and principles of spiritual warfare that took place before the cross. But we can learn from them. So out of an infatuation with uh, the spirit realm and how the spirit realm works, we've missed the purpose for this angelic visitation that he has in Daniel, the 10th chapter. But let me first look at Daniel 9, verse 3. It's on the screen there. And Daniel says, Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. That was a Jewish tradition. You don't put sackcloth and ashes on when you pray. Me, fasting, is for you and your belief system not to twist God's arm to get him to do something that he's already done. As a matter of fact, I'm getting re- I've been reading a book, and one of the things that the New Testament says that Jesus came doing was eating and drinking. In other words, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, feasting, not fasting. Did he fast? Yes. But it wasn't about fasting because he... We're going to see it here. Daniel set his face towards the Lord, single-minded focus for a face-in-face encounter with communion with God. A lot of times the problem is we wait until we have a chaotic situation, a tragedy, or an emergency, and then we want to have communion with God. But as believers, we're walking in daily fellowship, His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit with an open heaven and constant communication. So He was reminding God of the promises of the prophet Jeremiah. See, that's what he had to go look at. We have all the promises of God that are yes and amen that we can go, when we're communing with God, we can remind him of what he's promised us. One of the things that we said last week is, will you settle for a helmet when you've been promised a crown? Believers, you have a crown of victory. 1 Corinthians tells us that you wear a crown of victory. There's four other crowns that you're already wearing because he took a crown of thorn to give you a crown of peace and a crown of victory. So let's read Daniel, the 10th chapter. Let's look at this angelic encounter and glean some principles from this teaching today that you can ask Holy Spirit what he wants to show you in spiritual warfare about angels, their activity, and their assignment. Chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, this angel coming to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, And beheld Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand that you will happen, what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. This is not prophetic about the end of days and the end of the age that we were going to experience. This is talking about the end of days that. Israel was going, they were in Babylonian captivity at this time. 
This is where we first learn from Scripture about prince spirits and the battle of the cosmos. It's a war between angels and demons. The prayer is being held up. The angel comes to Daniel to tell Daniel that he had to wait for Michael to come. But here's what is missed. When we look at this scripture and we misunderstand it, we will have Daniel trying to have principles about warfare when the angel didn't come to say anything to him about warfare. And post-cross what we miss is the fact that the war for the cosmos and the war of the cosmos is over. Go read Revelation, the 12th chapter, and you will find out that it has already taken place. And if it hasn't, then we're in bad trouble because there's a war about to break out in heaven. I don't want to go to a heaven where a war is going to break out. It has already taken place. Go read Revelation, the 12th chapter. Therefore, the war for the cosmos and your prayer that is being answered. Matter of fact, John tells us, but before you even ask, he's already sending the answer. That's what John 6 tells us. His concern here, Daniel, was that he had humility of heart. Come on, that's where we need to be. Humble of heart. He was coming to the Father with the promise of his word. In praying, we should not be begging and pleading God for anything. He's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. We should be declaring and decreeing. I declare and decree the promises of the word when I pray. Man, Jesus prayed. He got alone and prayed. But when he was in public ministry, he only prayed a public prayer one time. And he said, Father, I'm not praying that you would hear me. I'm praying for those around me that they would hear me. He made declarations. When he encounters blind Bartimaeus, does he pray over the blindness? No, he speaks to the blindness and he decrees, your whole, your well, blindness be gone. When he encounters lame people, what does he say? Does he pray over them and beg God to deliver them from this lameness? He makes a declaration. He says, behold, be well. Matter of fact, he said, you are whole. You are, be it unto you according to your faith. And their eyes opened up. Their leprosy fell off. Their lame legs began to work. But it seems like we get into a spiritual warfare and a battle and we don't come from a place of victory Maybe it's because we don't really believe that what Jesus did at the cross was a finished work. And so we want him to do it again. He has already done everything that he's going to do for your healing. He took the 39 stripes on his back and it says by those stripes, not you might be healed or he might one day if you believe good enough, you'll be healed. No, it's not about your goodness. It's about his goodness and he has already healed you. There's not a war in heaven where angels and demons are fighting to hold up your prayer. Again, spiritual warfare, exercising your authority from a place of victory. The angel here is not informing Daniel on how to war. Do you see anything here where he tells him what he has to do to get his prayers answered? Only explaining the reason for the delay and to assure Daniel that when the answer was needed, God sent Michael and brought a breakthrough for him. As surprising 
as this information may be, we can't build a theology on that scripture about spiritual warfare. Especially, especially, not especially, there's no X in that word, especially since Jesus declared in John 1.51, if you can put that on the screen, that we live under an open heaven. He said, John 1.51 says, from henceforth. In my study this week, I saw a little number beside henceforth. It was A in parentheses. So I went down to the reference at the bottom for A, and it says that that word henceforth wasn't in the original language. So what Jesus actually said is, from now on, you're under an open heaven and you shall see angels ascending and descending. Uh, when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, comes up out of the water, the scripture says, and the heavens were rent. I believe it uh, repeats that in uh, Luke's gospel, that the heavens were opened. Uh, Pastor Bill Johnson says, and you can't find a scripture that says they've ever been closed back up. So if the heavens were opened... Your prayers ascend to the Father and your prayers are declarations and decrees, not begging and pleading. If you're in begging and pleading, you have a wrong mindset. You need to repent of that mindset. Ask God to give you a mindset of victory. That's the foundation of spiritual warfare. And then the answers descend with no hindrance. It's hard for a lot of us to believe that. I mean, I hear people say all the time, well, my prayers wouldn't get past the ceiling. Or I even hear this a lot amongst Christians, the heavens are brass. They're closed up, I don't get any answer. Well, you might need to change your mindset because God says the heavens are open. And you're walking under an open heaven. You don't have to ask God to open heaven for you. It's a done deal. Now, don't lose sight of Daniel's encounter here with the angel. It will change your perspective on the way you see spiritual warfare. The first thing the angel said was, I want to remind you how Papa loves you. <laughs> how many have settled for an inferior understanding about God's love for them? I mean, the, the world is full of people that don't believe that God loves them. They might believe the song that they sang in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and we tell them that, God, that Jesus died for them, and so they will accept Jesus' love for them because he died, but they're not so sure about his father because they have a view of a guy that sits on a throne that's going to smash him upside of the head every time they say something wrong, do something wrong, and they don't understand the love of the father. And we have such a, you know, Fathers that love their children, do anything for their children, provide, die for them. I mean, these fathers and mothers that were trying to get into this school where their children were being shot up, they didn't care what police and so they, they wanted to get to their children to provide. Can you understand that love? And then your father's love is so much higher and greater. Our carnal minds cannot even comprehend and so this angel wanted to remind Daniel of how much the Father loves you. How many have ever seen an angel in a vision or a dream physically manifest before your eyes? Um, 
angels always were coming bearing good news, uh, giving direction. We're going to look at some of that here in just a second. But I used to be scared when I was a kid of seeing a spiritual being. I, I could remember nights growing up under with my head under the covers, being afraid that if Jesus showed up in the room that, I had done so much bad that he just he would just do nothing but call me out on everything that I'd ever done, said, watched, heard. Misconception. Same thing with angels. I, I didn't desire to see an angel because I always saw men falling down on their faces in fear before these angels. But I don't believe that it has to be that way because they will come with good news and they will come with a spirit of love and remind you of what Papa's love is for you. Have we missed and maybe even forgotten the essential aspect of intimacy in the face of adversity? He prepares a table before me right in the middle <laughs> in the presence of my enemies. You know what that table is for? It's for a feast of celebration. Here we're trying to fast to get God to remove the presence of our enemy, but he wants you to sit down at the table and feast with him in celebration for the victory that has already been accomplished over your adversary. You are deeply loved by your father. Think about it. If Daniel did not have, the, have to acknowledge the demonic for a breakthrough in the Old Testament, I am sure that we're not going to have to, under the blood of Jesus, focus on or acknowledge demons. Now, I know there are classes. I've been through them. I know there are teachings and understandings of how to deal with demonic realm. I'm not displaying any of that. I want to build on found biblical foundations of truth to say that if you and I, let's say, okay, Jennifer doesn't have a specific calling on her life, for a deliverance ministry. That doesn't mean she can't cast out a, de a demon. He gave us the same authority that he had, so when she encounters... Now, if you go looking for demons under every rock, you're going to find them. And they will manifest. The whole truth of what you need to understand is, how am I going to, what am I going to do? How am I going to react? Am I going to respond from victory? Or I'm going to encounter... Can I give you a misunderstanding in him facing the demonic? The boys tried to cast the devil out of that little boy while Jesus, Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they couldn't cast the devil out. That's what the scripture says. Jesus comes off of the mountain and the first thing that he says to the disciples who couldn't cast the devil out is said, how long am I going to have to deal with your unbelief? So the next few words that he says is going to be in the context of unbelief. And he cast the devil out of them. And they ask Jesus, how come we couldn't cast the demons out of this boy? And he says, this type only comes forth through prayer and fasting. And so we've put a technique and principle in place and a teaching that says there are certain demons and devils that you can't cast out until you fasted and prayed. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about unbelief. Your unbelief, this type of unbelief, because you're not operating in spiritual warfare from a place of victory because of your unbelief, you need to fast in order to get your mindset aligned with my mindset. Because if there's certain devils that can't be cast out, then why did he say at the end to all of them, and it includes us in the Great Commission, 
that you can cast out devils, heal the sick, preach the good news. It's time to make a shift. The reality is you are the bride of Christ. See, even when I say it, you, our mindsets want to come up against that. We are not soldiers in an army. When the Bible talks about the armies of heaven, it's talking about the angels. We referred to this last week. I don't call Todd General Todd. I say Brother Todd. Why? Because we're in a family. We have a father. He's raising up a family. He's not raising up an army. He already created his army. And they've already won the war. They're not coming back to fight another battle. I mean, if the scripture says he has no more enemies, why is there a bloodbath ensuing? It's a misconception in spiritual warfare. He's not coming back to fight any more wars. He either has to resurrect a defeated foe to conquer them again, and then everything that the scriptures say are wrong, or it's already taken place. You choose. Hmm. Real, the reality is we are citizens by birth, priests, kings, and ambassadors of the kingdom. And angels are the only army of the kingdom, and their battle has ended. Again, read Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. We're not just inhabitants of the kingdom. We are the bride of the king. So it's time we step into the garden and begin to enjoy the benefits. So let me transition here. The definition of the word angel in the New Testament, in the Greek, is simply messenger. It matches the Hebrew word that has the same meaning. So both the Greek and the Hebrew, when you see the word angel, uh, it means messenger. What is the origin of angels? Angels were created. Now we don't have a specific time frame in Genesis where we see, but probably when the heavens and the earth were created. When he created the heavens, he created the angelic beings. But it's, there's no clear cut. This is when angels begin to exist. But they are created beings. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth. We sang it. Do we believe it? It's scripture. So angels are created beings. Do people, believers and innocent children who die become angels. No. Angels are not glorified human beings. Matthew 22 verse 30 explains that they don't even marry, and if they don't marry, they don't reproduce. Because if they would be unmarried, then they would be committing adultery, and that wouldn't be proper for a holy angel. So the scripture tells us they don't marry, so if they don't marry, they don't reproduce. Angels are a company or association, not a race descended from a common ancestor. They are created beings. We are called the sons of men, but they are not called the sons of angels. They are called the sons of God, as we are called the sons of God. How many angels are there? They're innumerable. You can't count them. 
it appears that all the angels were created at one time. Uh, go to Luke 20, verse 36, and study that out and look at that. Another question, do angels have bodies? Angels are essentially ministering spirits, Hebrews 1.14, and they do not have physical bodies like humans. Jesus declared that a spirit hath no flesh and bones as you have seen me. The Bible indicates that angels can only be in one place at one time. They're not omnipresent like Jesus is, like God is, like the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Angels can take on the appearance of a human. They can't, don't have to be visible at all, Colossians 1.16, because we know that Elisha didn't see them, but when his eyes were opened up into the spirit realm, he saw a vast host of the angels, the armies of heaven, encamped around about them. We can entertain angels unaware, Hebrews 13.2 tells us. And on the other hand, their appearance sometimes is dazzling white and blazing glory. Matthew 28, verse 2. Do angels have wings? One certain class of them called seraphim do, but most don't. See, that's just a misconception that we've got. Angels have morphed as the devil has morphed. If you would really study the word Satan, go all the way back to the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it's not even used to the, until Chronicles. The word Satan never appears until Chronicles. You see him as an adversary, the serpent. Then in Chronicles, David says, Hasatan, which is the adversary. And the word adversary is an adjective, not a noun. And so through the rest of... But we've morphed him into a visible character with a red suit and horns and a, a tail and a pitchfork. Wow. Some Bible passages picture angels with wings, but other verses talk about angels flying but don't mention wings. If Jesus, after his resurrection, could appear in one place and then appear in another, and he didn't have wings and he was flying and getting one place to the other, these spirit beings don't necessarily have to have wings, but we know that seraphim do. How do angels compare to humans? Angels never die. As new creations, we will never die. They're, they are stronger than men, but not omnipotent. They're not all-powerful. We have all the power that Jesus had. He said, I give you that power, but we're not omnipotent. Good angels or holy angels are more noble than man, Daniel 9.21. Angels do not marry or reproduce. We said that, Matthew 22, verse 30. Such, such expressions as like the angels and the fact that whenever angels appeared to man, it was always in a human form. There's many scriptures that show us that. So let's get down to the conclusion here. What is the assignment of the angels? We don't know whether angelic angels carry uh, out some the same task. Like, for instance, you have one job as an angel and or if they uh, can do many things, but we're going to look at some of the assignments as angels as a whole. The unnamed angels who appear most often in scriptures carry out a variety of tasks. For instance, 
Revelation 4, 5 says that they worship and praise God. The main activity portrayed in heaven of the angels is worshiping and praising God. They are messengers. They serve as messengers to communicate God's will to men. You see this in the New Testament. How many have ever had an angelic experience where the angel or an angel came and gave you a message through a dream, through a vision? Has anyone encountered that? My mom used to have that all the time. See, head shaking and hands raised, and here I am up front, and I've never seen an angel, except for the one sitting on the front row. Check mine. <laughs> they are guiders. Angels give instruct, gave instructions to Joseph <clears throat> about the birth of Jesus, to the woman, to the women at the tomb, to Philip, to Cornelius. Angels gave guidance and direction. Providers. God used angels to provide physical needs, such as food to Hagar in Genesis twenty-one to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, and to Christ in the wilderness after his temptation, providing nourishment and strength. They are protectors. Anybody have a guardian angel? Thank the Lord for them. Keeping God's people out of physical danger, as in the cases of Daniel in the lion's den and the three friends in the fiery furnace. Um, I dispatch my guardian angels. If I, if I know that... And we were on a plane last week. They were changing the battery, and then they come on there and said, they've got a valve stuck. We're going to put you on another plane. And I'm like, oh, Lord, angels of God all around about this airplane and the pilot. I pray it for my kids when I know they're out. Um, you know, we give them advice and instruction, but we release and dispatch angels. He said he will give his angels charge over you. They are deliverers, getting God's people out of danger. Angels are re, have released the apostles from prison in Acts 5 and repeated the process for Peter in Acts 12. They are strengtheners and encouragers. They care for the believers at the moment of death. In the story of Lazarus and the rich man, we read that the angels carried the spirit of Lazarus to Abraham's bosom when he died. Angels are mentioned over 18 times in the New Testament. My encouragement to you would to go to be get into the scripture, find those 18 references, study them out, see what the Holy Spirit says to you about the assignment of angels, especially post cross. Folks, we say this all of the time, and we have to repeat it so that our hearts and minds grab a hold of it. We are under completely different terms and conditions in this new covenant than they were under the old covenant. We have an indwelling Holy Spirit that never leaves us or forsakes us. They had the Spirit of God that would come upon them at certain times but would leave them, and He was not indwelling uh, in them. So we have the benefit and the advantage. Um, and we do not worship angels. Did you hear me? We don't worship angels. We do not glorify angels above the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. My, one of my first statements, we focus on Jesus. Jesus is the focus and the attention that we give, even when it comes to, the spiritual warfare, how did Jesus handle it? 
Jesus cast out demons. Look at the story of the demoniac. Uh, in Acts, they cast out demons. So it is um, something that we deal with, but we are not going to overemphasize it. We want you to be aware of it, but we want you to realize that as a son and daughter of God, the bride of Christ, when it comes to spiritual warfare, you operate in your authority from a place of victory. If you go into it feeling defeated or feeling that that entity has power over you, then you are going to engage in a battle and in warfare that you are not called to encounter. And listen, you'll probably get whooped. You'll come out feeling discouraged. You'll come out feeling exhausted like you didn't accomplish anything. But when you come from a mindset of victory and then you encounter those things, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you, using your authority, because I believe with all of my heart that Colossians, the second chapter, is absolutely true. He made an open show of the enemy, triumphing over them at the cross and parading them around. They were his prisoners. He was not theirs. That's what the Message Bible says. He derobed them, deranked them, and disarmed them completely. So they are defeated. So, Rob, if you guys would come. I hope that some of this information will spark you to be interested in into the Scriptures. And as you dive into the, the Scriptures, allowing the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus and know how to operate in your kingdom authority. See, because we are ruling and reigning right now in this kingdom. We're not waiting to rule and reign. We rule and reign right now through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Would you stand with me, please? We've said throughout this series that we have given way too much attention and credit to the enemy for certain things. But we are not denying the fact that people have battles and struggles. And we want to give you the opportunity. We want to lay hands on you, pray for you as we can just worship here for a few minutes. Physical sickness, emotional, mental upheaval, finances, confusion, decisions that you have to make, whatever you want to give to the Lord and allow the body of Christ to minister to you this morning. We're going to give you the opportunity to come during this worship and then we're going to pray with you this morning. So.